Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast brought to you by Platform 195. We share trends and strategies across retail media to help you accelerate your brand growth. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson. Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson, founder and CEO of Platform 195. Today, we're joined by the retail media and data leader, Ocado Retail, Jack Johnson. Jack is a commercial leader, able to rally people behind his passion and skill for data and retail media. And with his experience working for some of the biggest names in retail, Ocado and Tesco, for example, it's easy to see why his unique overview of the retail industry makes him a guiding light for companies when they need to evolve, maintain, or revolutionize their media strategy. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stuart. And I promise I didn't feed you any of that intro, so I appreciate it. Listen, tell us a bit about your journey, because obviously you've got Carlo now, but you've also had Tesco and Dunhumby in there. How did you get involved in this retail media space? Yeah, so I think I sort of fell into it a little bit by accident. So my background, I guess, when it started at university and a lot of my friends went off to do sort of years in industry and I wasn't actually originally planning to do that. So two years into uni, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and learn how to do a job for a year. And I fell into what was then Symphony IRI, which very quickly rebranded to IRI. So um, very data, very insight-led, using market data, account management, working with some really, really big, I guess, FMCGs and learning about how they work with retailers. So that was my first sort of, and that was completely by accident, right? Like fell into um, working for IRI, um, finished off my studies, briefly went back there. And then this fantastic opportunity came up, a company in West London called Dunhumby, which I didn't know a huge amount about, right? I knew they pioneered a lot of stuff within loyalty and club card and they were a data science company but it was fantastic to i guess sort of cut my teeth on how the sort of fmcg industry works how retailers work with what is the biggest retailer in the uk so i did loads of roles um mainly commercial insight roles so um using customer data science to inform i guess um, customer first category management and always had sort of an arm's length relationship with uh, what was retail media back then which was couponing a lot of in-store Digital retail media wasn't necessarily really a thing. I think a lot of the work that was done in that space was test and learns, right? A lot of retailers didn't really know what to do with their on-site and off-site opportunities. And FMCGs were more interested in in optimizing their trade marketing spend, whether that's through in-store activation or the like. So yeah, my background was always in data and insight. And I just, I always had a fascination with how people shopped grocery, right? Like I think it's a great area to learn how data and the richness of data that grocery does give you um, to inform strategy. And yeah, I worked with suppliers. I worked directly with Tesco. Um, I did a load of sort of management and leadership roles within Dunhumby. Did that for about seven years and was desperate to work for a retailer, to be honest, because you were always, especially with Dunhumby and for all the value that Dunhumby delivered to Tesco, you're always sort of one step removed from actually the decision and the impact you can have on customers. So um, I was desperate to come and work for a retailer. And the opportunity at Ocado came to look after their, their, their data platform that suppliers accessed. So a really cross-functional role, working across stuff like customer success, product, sales, et cetera, and working really closely with suppliers. And about 12, 18 months ago, I was asked to, I guess, have an extended remit across retail media as well, which is where the space is evolving really quickly. And there was a big opportunity to take the lead on what that looks like for Ocado. So that's been my background, but background has totally been from an insight and data perspective. And I think now going into the retail media world where those two areas of the industry are really converging, right? The use of data and insight within the media space is, is a very, very different space now than it was sort of five years ago. And I think that's been really exciting to learn. 
Totally. And are you seeing that, Arcada? Are you getting pressure from the brands for more insight from what's going on? Yeah, I think to understand what brands are asking, you really have to understand how digital retail media has evolved. And I think I touched upon it just then, but historically, it was always a test and learn function within a retailer or an RMN, as they're now called, or even within brands and suppliers. I mean, historically, there weren't really e-commerce teams within FMCGs. So um, what you found, especially in the last three or four years with the invent of a lot of ad tech getting into the industry, you've got the sophistication of retailers and brands in this space is that they are asking for a lot of data and insight on a lot of the on and off site activation that happens. I think you know, it's all coming from a great space, right? We want to be optimizing and growing um, sales within the retailer. But yeah, with that comes a real sort of seismic change in the expectations of that data and insight that a retailer has to share. And I think we're fully behind that journey and we want to be there in partnership with our brands and media agencies. But you know, that is a big shift that's occurred in quite a small amount of time. So tell me a bit about Ocado then and where they are or where they are on their journey. Are they still at the beginning or are they sort of quite mature now? How's it going? It's, um, it's an interesting question just because I think we're always thinking, especially in our team, who we look after our retail media network and what our future proposition is going to look like. We're constantly thinking about like, where have we been, right? Like, how has this all evolved? And I think, you know, speaking to people that have been around the business for a long time, um, it's really clear that Ocado were one of the first in the UK to be doing digital retail media, right? We were doing feature products, we were doing display advertising, coupons. We had a really rich toolkit of activation that we offered to suppliers for a long time, right? 20 plus years. Um, I do make the claim that we were doing advertising before Amazon. I'm not sure if that's true, but I'll keep saying until I'm told off. Um, we've got a really rich heritage of it, and it's been primarily around how do we optimize um, trade, right? Trade marketing budgets going into some big opportunities that we have, whether that's boosting visibility on site, whether that's getting creatives on site as well through display. Um, so I think that's always been there, right? That's always been the heritage of Ocado and suppliers have loved working with her for such a long time because quite frankly, we were miles ahead sort of five, 10 years ago. There was no one else doing it the way we did it. Um, but I think the way that I would sort of characterize the shift that's occurred is a lot of our competition have modernized and changed the way they do retail media. And we're being caught a little bit still operating the way that we always have. And I think it's not to belittle what opportunities there are to advertise on Ocado.com and the relationships we have with our suppliers, but there's a mismatch between what suppliers now expect and some of the more fundamental things that we do as, as a retailer. So um, there's some exciting changes we want to get to. Give us an example of those sort of areas of the, where you feel you might be slightly behind and now you're sort of really focusing on to catch up. Yeah, I mean, data sharing is a prime example, right? I think it's something that me and the team have been working really, really closely on. And we started to now share um, more data, especially in relation to stuff like click-through rates on featured products. We have really expanded the amount of retail data points that we have within our retail data platform that suppliers can access. Um, and we've been making loads of progress there, but we've made one step in a much longer journey. I'm not sure if you've been aware of the work that OMG have done with ISBAR and they published the Responsible Retail Media Framework, which gives a little bit of a sort of um, now next future framework on what media data points we should, as a retailer, should be sharing. And that's been a really useful guide to have sense check our plans on what data provision we want to open up in the future. Um, with all of data, I think we look at it through two lens. There's the what, which is the measures, um, but there's also the how, right? And I think that's where there's a big difference for some of our sophisticated brands versus maybe some of our smaller brands is that actually we've got suppliers and brand advertisers asking for 
much broader, much more data provision and a lot more flexibility, whether that's open APIs or direct access to some of our data, whereas maybe smaller, less sophisticated suppliers just need it in a very, very simple format to help to drive decision making. So yeah, there's a few things in there, but yeah, that's a journey that we're on when it comes to data passback. And have you opened up those APIs for the bigger partners or is it still? Not yet. And I think this is something that's a retail media framework is that very much a future aspiration, um, what we need to get to. And I would also challenge whether it is the right thing to do, right? Like we're all drowning in data. Um, data should have a purpose to drive a next, to drive an outcome. Um, it might well be that opening up data is the right thing to do in that sense. But um, also there are some really sort of easy gains we can do by just surfacing the right data at the right time. And that's something we're really trying to problem solve within our team. So when you were at Tesco, or sorry, Dunhamby, and you were at Tesco, how much did that insight start? Did you see that evolve as it started to come into the way Tesco was doing its retail media activity? Yeah, it's a good question because I think we had a lot of, um, I mean, I was at the brunt of a lot of conversation with suppliers asking for stuff like evaluations, and they would all have a different point of view on how an evaluation should look and feel and the methodologies that fed into evaluations. And I think there was always that expectation, um, but it was primarily in an in-store environment. I don't think there was that expectation necessarily around data pass back in a digital um, sense, but that's where we have seen the big shift. And I think Ocado being online only, we're the biggest online only grocer in, in the world, right? So we are feeling this pressure of a shift in expectations of data pass back. Um, I think other RMNs, other retail media networks will have similar shifts, but they've already experienced that within the, the in-store world. And I think that's an interesting sort of angle to look at it by. Um, but the ask has always been there. I think it's just becoming a, more suppliers are asking for it and maybe the maturity of those are changing as well. And what about technology then? Let's talk about, because obviously that goes hand in hand with being able to capture data. What's been the technology journey for Ocado? Yeah, I think we've been an online grocer obviously for the last 20 years. And one of the challenges that we have is just getting the data all into one place before we can even get into a position where you can share that data in the right way and the right format. Um, we have a job internally, which I think a lot of suppliers won't and advertisers that we work with won't necessarily see is that actually a lot of this data can sometimes be a bit disparate, right? It's in different places of the business. And I think that's something that we do behind the scenes, right? It's just making sure we're consolidating all the right data into the right frameworks and using the right technology partners um, to make sure that we can surface um, the right data and that we have faith in it as well, right? And I think that's a really important um, part of it. And I think that's one of the impacts of trading an online business for 20 plus years is that you get a lot of fragmentation of where data sits. Um, so we've done a big piece of work and we will continue to do a big piece of work on making sure the data is structured in the right way so that as and when we make calls on how and when to share things, all they're ready for us to do it. So that's an ongoing piece of work, but shows how, I guess, how important it is and how close we need to work with like central data and insights team within the retailer as well. Another retailer, oh, sorry, are the brands using that data for, is it literally you servicing sort of campaign results and product sales and things like that? Or are, is it feeding into the planning process? Yeah, and I, you've struck on a really important point there, which is where data used. So whether it's the planning um, the execution or the measurement of media. And I think we have traditionally surfaced a lot of behavioral data to help with the planning of, of media. Um, so whether that's where our customers adding products to basket, where should you be thinking about visibility, where should you be thinking about what search terms to invest in, for instance, um, where on site should you be focusing your 
media plans. And I think we've always historically surfaced quite a lot of data there. I think where we need to make big shifts is within the evaluation space. So as we move through that journey of media planning, how can we make sure we're sharing data at that stage and having that continuous optimization, which again is one of those big shifts that we've seen within markets that we see a lot of sophistication on how we make quick changes and we're making sure we're optimizing in flight. And I think that's something we, we are seeing a lot of as well. Yeah, there's sort of several pieces to it, isn't there? There's that sort of surfacing of it for planning. Then there's the measurements, which is the actual sort of product sales, and then the attribution. So what's happening, not just across your own site, but beyond that as well. And then also all the audience data. So where, who's buying, when are they buying? There's sort of quite a, there's several sort of chunks to the data piece, I think. Yeah. And there's audience is a big one for us because I think we have really powerful first party data, right? We capture every single purchase of all of our customers that rely on loyalty cards, right? So we have a really rich set of first party data and actually we need to make sure that we are housing that in a way in which delivers us flexibility in the future if we wanted to activate on those those audiences. Um, and we've already done elements of that. We've taken a first step with a partnership with the Trade Desk that we've launched this year, um, which allows advertiser to access Accardo audiences in their own Trade Desk seat. So it's integrated into their existing ad tech workflows. They don't need to speak to Accardo necessarily. And actually, we have created the right technology and ad tech flows to make sure that we are pushing those audiences in a privacy and secure way um, to integrate those audiences into existing workflows, which is the essence of, like I guess, self-serve when it comes to offsite. But you can only really achieve that by having the right the data in the right places and in the right format to be able to unlock that. Um, so yeah, it all sort of ties together. And just excuse my ignorance on it. So if you are advertising, if somebody's using your audiences and they're targeting those audiences, are they bringing that traffic back to Ocado? Or are they advertising on third-party sites and non-Ocado sites and then taking those audience away to potentially a competitor or their own brand site? How does that work in your world? Yes, the current trade desk proposition we have, which is that self-serve ability to send advertising to Ocado audiences, um, is purely is fully branded. Um, it's all linked to a given brand and it will link through to a branded page. Um, so this will be branded content. Um, so it'll go through to a brand's homepage that exists, right? So it doesn't link to directly link to us. And I think this is our first step in understanding the power of first party data in targeting on offsite and in open web um, programmatic. And I think we want to understand where the value is. That is a first step into this, but ultimately it's allowing advertisers um, the power to leverage our first party audiences. Yeah. And then capture that brand spend effectively. Because traditionally, most brands like work with a retailer, right? That's how they get to market. So I suppose if they're selling their own products on site or it's a consumer, it's more of a brand spend, presumably that's what they're putting into sort of audience offering. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think that's one of the big shifts that we talk to our supply partners a lot about is we talk about retail media networks, but the big shift that we, you know, is being talked about and we're starting to see this come to fruition is the use of retail data within top of the funnel activation. So as the third party cookie deprecates and brands lose their ability to address audiences in an impactful way, we see the opportunity to use first party data to be able to do that. And I think that our key thing with all of this is it needs to be compliant, needs to be privacy and secure. And I think that's a really big 
important part of our ad tech flows to make sure that we're doing what's right for customers. Um, but ultimately, this is looking to solve that challenge that brands have on addressability and the ability to target and reach within that top of funnel activation that is going to become more and more challenging, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So how are you going to manage the cookie apocalypse? Uh, it seems to be a standard question on this podcast. Uh, just a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think everyone's tackling it in different ways. Um, I think for us and the number one conversation we're sort of having with brands in this space is, is how can they create their own first part? Like how can they leverage our first party data to help um, replace some of those use cases they used to have using cookie-based targeting? And I think this opens up a broader world of data clean rooms and data collaboration, which is definitely front of mind for a lot of, of our more sophisticated brands about how can they use our data, publishers' data, even their own first-party data, and where do those um, use cases for data clean room technology exist? Um, that's a fascinating space that is still evolving very, very fast, and I think we'll see a lot of momentum. Um, but yeah, for me, that clean room technology is going to sit across three main use cases. There's the insights that a brand can glean from doing various matches. Um, there's the, the activation, so the pushing of those audiences to various platforms. And then there's the measurement piece, which is big. So I think all three of those have their own merit. I think we are going to start very much from an insight perspective. So we've got great first-party data. How can we, in a secure way, be able to allow other first-party data holders to match that data and use the power of our first party data to give them a better understanding of their data. I think that will be quite a lot of use cases that we'll sort of work on in that space, but it's the obvious first place to start really. Yeah. And is that your marketing team that are driving the usage of data clean rooms because it's obviously required for the brand marketing or is it coming from the retail media team because of the need to protect your audience extension? We both want to leverage that technology for different reasons, but also for the same style of use case if that makes sense so you point we have brand marketing teams that need to be using the likes of of an info sum for example to be able to connect with various broadcaster publishers and then we're thinking from our perspective is about what clean room technology should we be opening up for for brands and insight partners so that they can answer their own use case questions so i think we're approaching it from a very different um, use case perspective but ultimately that's where we need to collaborate really closely and i think that's one of the big surprises i've had actually over the last 12 to 18 months is retail media can sometimes feel like its own entity and everyone needs to think about how we're going to maximize retail media and how we're going to deliver a great service to brands but actually start to think about how connected it is to every single part of a retailer's business so customer and marketing teams data and insight teams the trading and commercial teams as well like Retail media is, a, especially in our business, it's very much a category management lever as well, right? Because it's a way to boost visibility. So retail media needs its role and its own role within a retailer, and it'll be very different depending on what retailer that is. But yeah, that's where we start to see these connections. And I think, um, yeah. I'm fascinated about where that's starting to sit in an organization because there's a huge amount of requirement for it from retail media, but actually the brand needs it as well. And the cost of it all is not insignificant. So actually, and then there's also the question of evolution around it. There's so much going on in the space that actually, is there suddenly going to be a much more cost-effective way of doing it before everyone sort of bowed in with huge, huge sums of money? So things really accelerating over the next, going to really be interesting over the next few months. But us, and I think that where we see the secret sauce, right, is how we can deliver value, advertiser value. Um, 
So whether that's our suppliers, media agencies, non-endemics, like where is that value? Where is value for us as a cardo, the retailer? It needs to work for us as well. And then finally, the, the customer and making sure whatever we do is not to the detriment of customer experience. And actually, there's a sweet spot in the middle where you can make all three of those things work together. And the very best retail media networks or retail media propositions or however you want to talk about it, it will be the ones that can really hit on all three of those things at the same time. And that's where actually we see how we're set up as a Cardo being sizably different to our competition because we're not a third party doing this on behalf of a retailer, right? We are a retailer first and foremost, and we will always think about customer um, when it comes to our retail media propositions. So um, for me, it's about making sure that retail media works for us as a broader organization. And that might be different than a, a Tesco, a Sainsbury's, a whoever else, right? Um, and that's what we've done a lot of work on internally, which you know, maybe the bit that people don't see as a supplier or external party is we're trying to define what retail media means for us and how we can make it work because it is such an important part of how we trade given the fact we're online only. Yeah, and with an incredible amount of logged in data, right? Huge amounts of interesting. So answer me that question then. So say I'm a brand coming to you and I'm saying, right, I've got Tesco over here and I've got Ocado over here. Why would I put more spend with you? Yeah, so I mean, it's the sales pitch, isn't it, right? But no, no, I don't think this is this comes to the crux of how we're set up differently to perhaps how a Dunhumby or a Nectar would answer this question is that actually, yes, we could talk through the fact that we have a creative um, flexibility on display advertising and lots of opportunities to put featured products on site. And we could talk to all of that. But really where I see the value for a brand and a supplier to be working with us is the fact that you can make that plan work in conjunction with your broader commercial plan, with your buyer and with your trading manager. And I think that sometimes gets lost a little bit when you have a third party managing and operating a retail media network, because no matter how much they are representing the retailer, they are always one step removed from the trading of the categories, um, one step removed from the customer. And that is a reality of how some of these RMNs are set up. And I think where we want to cut through is really showcase to brands that you can create these retail media plans and we have these fantastic placements and opportunities both on and off site. But for me, it's about how that can work in conjunction with your broader commercial plan, which should all be about how we're going to deliver mutual growth for each other. And that is a very different angle, perhaps, than what other RMNs will talk to. Yeah, I'm totally in line with that. I mean, I know when we built everything at, at Thomas Cook, I always thought often we'd get the question, oh, we should bring our media agency into the middle of this. And you were, it was always so difficult because you were dealing with people who were brilliant media planners, but had absolutely no idea how the inside of a retailer works when it comes to those relationships that the product or commercial people have with the suppliers in order to sell product and all the nuances that go around that. And actually, the closer you are to them and the ability to extend the marketing retail media campaigns off the back of, of that and extract the consumer budgets that are available on top of the trade, is that's the art. It's not necessarily just saying, we've got an ad network and here's some media planning. And that's right. And I think what we want to do, right, is make sure we're not just another retail media network shouting about what capabilities we have. It's actually like, why would a brand want to work with us in a different way? And fundamentally, we're a different type of retailer, right? We've continually been a disruptor within the grocery retail space. 20 years ago, people weren't shopping online. And actually now we have 
a million active customers. Um, we are a big player, but we are a very different retailer than perhaps one that is bricks and mortar and has those um, different channels to, to look into. And I think that's where we need to have those tailored conversations with brands to make sure that we're doing what's right for customers ultimately. Yeah. So give us a quick overview of the media offering that Ocado have. You talked about coupons and on-site as well as the sort of trade desk audiences. Give us a, what else is there or give us a, in a nutshell. Right, yeah, so I think our bread and butter is on-site, right? So primarily through feature products, so the ability to surface um, feature products at the top of search results, um, which is really important. A lot of our customers um, shop on search. Um, it's a primary way they add to basket, so it's a really important growth lever for a brand. Um, so we have feature products. We have display advertising that we have all over sites, whether that's homepage, whether that's search, whether that's browse, lots of opportunities to talk about your brand um, through that advertising medium. Um, we have stuff like coupons and checkout walk um, gifting as well. So lots of opportunities to give um, a real experience for customers. And I think you can literally get your hands, you can get your product in the hands of customers, which we think is a really exciting sort of proposition. And then we have something that we built out over the last couple of years is our, I guess, like what I would consider like a Cardo owned offsite channels. So whether that's your ability to get display advertising on email, or paid social campaigns through the Ocado Meta accounts, opportunities to advertise on Ocado Life, which is our magazine. So we've got all of these different sort of what we would consider offsite channels that we can talk to our customers. And I think, you know, the, the art is then how you can web your offsite and onsite plans together to create those truly omni-channel experiences. Um, I think then where we're then starting to work and develop is then what does our true or a non-Ocado owned offsite proposition look like, which is where our partnership with the trade desk comes in. Um, it's where functionality with meta and potentially connecting with brand accounts comes in and also like future publisher deals that we might consider, right? And I think we need to be really choiceful in, in where we play in that space, but it's definitely something front of mind, which is how can we create a really compelling like, offsite proposition? Um, isn't Ocado owned, it's more sort of in the realm of where our customers are off com. Yeah, and create that integrated offering. And oftentimes more creative offering, especially when you've got that publisher network and paid social is obviously you're always limited by what you can do on site in terms of creativity and e-commerce teams get very sensitive around disrupting the consumer journey. So the great thing about that, those sort of off-site channels, as well as print magazine, for example, or, or things like that is creativity, right? Yeah, and I think I agree with that. And I think we've always historically offered actually quite a lot of flexibility on creativity on site, which is, I think, our brand partners have always really valued because I think you can definitely evidence within other UK grocers that there's quite a lot of limitation in how you can bring your brand to life on site. Um, just to fully answer that question on what our proposition is, we've actually done some work on opening up more on site inventory as well. So we've just launched a branded cross sell feature product. So your ability to surface a, a like a why not try feature product on some of your competitor branded search terms um so that's a new placement for us to test this year and then also um thinking about new placements on our new page so new to Ocado page which is a place where our customers will seek inspiration on new products and actually that's a really exciting place for our supplier and our, our suppliers and our brands to talk about mpd and and you know really think about how you can boost consideration when customers are shopping on a grocer's website so yeah, we're doing as much work as we can as well to think about how we can open up more on-site placements as well. And how are you fulfilling it all, Jack? Are you doing it? Have you got a sort of big team in there now or are you using agencies and 
managed service? How are you dealing with it? Yeah, so I think the way that we're we're set up at the moment is a lot of our media plans are governed and, and managed through the buying team. So they're part of our joint business plan and they are, I guess, technically a managed service, right? But it's done through um through the buying team and the commercial team. I think where we're trying to work out is that balance of self-serve and managed service. And when you do manage service, where are you actually adding value to brands and supply and where do they actually need that, not necessarily their hand being held, but where do they need consultancy and someone to um, really work on plans with them. So primarily it's managed through buyers, but you know we're starting to think about what does our future facing operating model look like to ultimately achieve those three things, like I said before, around a cardo value, supplier value, and, and making sure it's customer first. Like that's our guiding principle with it really. Yeah. Sometimes that becomes more acute when we start looking at the monetization of the long tail. So actually, how do you actually scale to hundreds or thousands of, of smaller suppliers with smaller budgets? Because certainly when you're bringing audience extension in or just trying to scale many campaigns, many small campaigns across multiple channels, is how do you do that manually? Or well, obviously you have technology, but how do you do that as a managed service? And often sort of big media agencies aren't geared up to do that at all because they don't know how to scale thousands of tiny little campaigns. They're not interested in that and haven't really, it's not really been their expertise. Whereas what we found drives it in our clients is, is that need to actually scale that piece. And actually that's quite a specialist. How are you doing on that piece around the long tail? Is it, are you still sort of servicing the, the big partners and trying to crack the nut of the smaller ones or are they active? We have, um, Ocado has around 2000 suppliers, right? So we are, due to our operating model, we have the biggest range in the UK. We have 50,000 products, 2000 suppliers, like it is enormous, right? So we have that challenge, right? Whereby we do have a long tail. And I think we have done work to make sure that there are advertising options for that tail. So whether that's thinking about any self-serve technology that we can offer them. Um, we also have really entry-level advertising channels such as couponing, which has a really low cost to play. Um, something that's front of mind for us is how can we create propositions that's right for a small supplier, but for me is around actually the role that these suppliers are actually playing for our customers, which is around our unbeatable choice that we have as a, as a supplier, as a retailer. And I think what we need to do is create propositions that, yes, is right for quote unquote, these smaller suppliers, um, but also is actually achieving our customer aim, which is to surface this extraordinary range that we have as a retailer, which is our competitive edge of why someone would shop with Ocado and not other UK grocers. So that is bringing to life a really, really great example of bringing to life about how a retail media network or retail media proposition needs to not just play a role in driving advertising spend for a retailer, but actually plays a role in achieving a customer outcome and i think that's a really customer experience exactly so that's something we're always trying to understand yeah and the holy grail for retail media acceptance as well which is within the business so is the business supportive are you getting the support you need i suppose you have to say yes but how much persuasion are you having to do day to day you know what it's a big question because i think so yes there is a lot of support when i think about what we're trying to do as a business i think we need to have cross-functional endorsement and support on what, what we're doing because it impacts everything right and you know like i was mentioning around it is how we trade our categories at Ocado is what appears at the top of search results so we have to do stuff in collaboration with the rest of the business and i think what's been great over the last 12 months is there's real support top down on making sure that we create the right retail media 
proposition for Ocado. We are not looking to rinse and repeat what, ha- what other grocers are doing in this space. We are looking to create something that is unique to Ocado and ultimately helps deliver customer-first brand growth. So that is our North Star, and I feel like we've got a load of positive intent from leadership within the business, which is great. The reality is that they understand the, the opportunity that's there because there's a lot of thought leadership that gets around the industry. Um, but there's a reality, right, that a retailer is still a retailer and it knows how to be a retailer. I think what a retail media network represents is the change in mindset for a retailer to wear a media business hat, which is a very different space for a retailer to be playing in. But where, again, just to reiterate the point where we're going to be different in market is that we're trying to do that. We're not just siphoning that off to a third party to do it on our behalf. Um, and that's where I see the real value. But yeah, totally got the endorsement. I think we need to go and make sure the plans are, are there to ultimately hit not just our objectives, but the broad company objectives as well. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. And I'd really like to see how that journey evolves, Jack. I mean, often I say, please do come back uh, at some point. But probably just because we've probably got about two minutes left. Why don't you ask this question as well, which is, where do you see the evolution of it over the next sort of couple of years? Where do you think this is all leading? Yeah, I think there's a few things that's definitely going to happen, right? I think you will see the bigger retail media networks in the UK talk a lot around digitalization of the in-store. I think that's going to happen. We've seen a lot of development from specifically from Tesco in this space. I could see the rest of the grocers following suit. So I think you're going to see a big movement there. I think you're going to see a lot more publisher deals within the UK as well. So you'll see the likes, especially the bigger RMNs that can have a, because of their scale, they can work with more publishers because of the match rates. So you'll see a lot more of those deals coming through, I imagine. And then I think you'll start to see and I don't know how this will play out, quite frankly, but you'll start to see this broader shift in asks of retailers to share and collaborate with first-party data. Um, I, we mentioned those use cases of um, insights, activation, and measurement, and I think use cases will pop up across all three of those things. Um, but what you will start to see is that really ramping up in my mind because I think you'll start to see, as we've spoken about, third cookie will go, third-party cookie will go, and quite frankly, the sophistication of brands is going up. So I think we'll start to see retail liberation of first-party data um, um, really, really starting to take hold. But but yeah, I think that's the key thing, right? And I think there's also a lot of unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen in the last next few years. And I think that's where we as a retail media um, business within Ocado, we need to keep outward facing, keep talking to ad tech other retail media networks, suppliers, brands, all of those types of stakeholders in the marketplace so we can keep on the cutting edge of of what those needs are going to be because either I've been in and leading this team for, for 12, 18 months. If I reflect on those 12, 18 months, you know, the industry's changed, right? So we're going to have to keep thinking proactively about how we shape those plans. Brilliant. Well, it'd be great to sort of talk to you again in 12 months or even earlier, hopefully. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time. So it just remains to me to say thank you for joining the Retail Media Moguls podcast. Please do come back. It'd be lovely to see how that journey's evolved. And it's really been really insightful to hear about the Cardo story and actually how you're differentiating from the others. And then also exciting to see because you've got such an immense data background, how you bring that to the fore with, within the business. So good luck with it and thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Retail Media Moguls podcast is brought to you by Platform 195. 
To learn more about Platform 195 and how to connect retail media with intelligent marketing to accelerate growth, visit platform195.com. And then make sure to search for Retail Media Moguls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Platform 195, thanks for listening. Thank you.